It's the last heavy hole podcast you will ever hear in the year 2022. I'm just playing. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, my illustrious lavender-scented co-host tonight is my bandmate, but also my friend, Rick Habib. How are you, Rick? Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, we're sitting here on uh, Christmas Eve recording this. It's a very festive and uh, atmospheric mood today. Yeah, I, I appreciate you wearing the reindeer uh, antlers and the Rudolph nose, even though it's just us. It's not a video podcast. But I, I oh, yeah, I go all out. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm Mr. Christmas, they call me, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm wearing a red sweatsuit over here. I'm kind of doing like a run DMC Santa Claus type of thing, you know? Cool, man. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's all about the season, you know? Yeah, t- oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Tis the season. Yeah, Jesus. Ex- season. Exactly, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are bringing you our four-hour marathon of Christian metal from the 80s today <laughs> in celebration of... No, I'm no, no, Christmas is over by the time you hear this, man. Um, But, Rick, we're going to kind of recount... The holidays. I got to thank you, man. We're going to do the little how was your weekend. You know, we, we, we've been hanging out with the boys a little bit lately. It shows you played a Halloween trick on me, but you waited till like a month later and did it after Thanksgiving. You somehow oh. managed to sneak a mischievous little leprechaun into my Jeep that sang me, <laughs> sang me a little riddle and then vomited out of the passenger side. Yeah. I don't I don't know how you snuck him in there, but you managed to do it. Well, uh I I I think this leprechaun was was waiting for you to, to show up uh like for like four hours before you showed up there. Um he was just waiting and uh plotting and I guess oh, when the, when the time came, uh he made his move and uh, threw up all over the place and, I, and made me miss the bands, one of the bands I went to go uh, see. Let's all good. Let's, for the sake of that, we're not going to name him this episode, but because I, because I want to recount a little bit of this tale, uh, that 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 occurred. Yeah. So, the, there's a we all have that friend in the friend group who's a Punisher, um, and I was I was awaiting uh, the appropriate time to leave to go to this afterbirth. Uh, now we've talked about it a lot: mortal suffering, afterbirth, torturous inception, fester gore, bowel erosion, Amityville musical. Right after Thanksgiving, everybody's breath smelled like stuffing and cranberries. It was a beautiful time. Yeah, what a great show, man! Two hours ahead of the show, I get a phone call from um, our friend. We'll, we'll call him Pete the Punisher. Uh, name mm-hmm. has been changed for for the innocent parties. Uh, Pete the Punisher calls me up and goes, "Hey, man, I heard there's a show today. <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> I said, yo, the show hasn't started yet, man. He goes, oh, I'm here. <laughs> oh, my God. The, yeah. ve- the venue was not even open yet. The ve- the lights no. were off at the venue, and he was in the parking lot waiting for me, bro. The funny thing is, Pete the Punisher, this gentleman, lives literally 10 minutes from the venue. He could have he enjoyed his home. He could have uh, relaxed, uh, taken care of some things, do, do what you got to do at your house. You know, just, just be a... Just, you don't have to show up at the venue at three hours before the doors open. For, for you understand, it's just, this is craziness, and it's it's not like he came. Sometimes Pete, as we call him, comes from far away when we have to uh, do things like practice, or if if for some reason I would jam with this person, which 
um, you know, and he'll show up early because he's coming from far away from his job or something. I can understand that. He's not going to go home all the way. Into, but this was he lives 10 minutes away. So I guess it was it was pregame. He was sitting there maybe getting a little, you know, starting yeah. off a little early, waiting for doors. As soon as the doors open, he probably bombarded those that poor bartender. Well, no, no, he, he he got in before doors because when I parked the Jeep, I didn't see him. I pulled into the parking lot. I didn't see. I was like, you know, scoping out. I, was, I didn't see him anywhere. By the time I backed my Jeep in, like a vampire or something, he appeared, like, like with, a, yeah, within a few exactly. feet, out standing outside of my Jeep with like a uh, a maniacal, like a Charles Manson smile, kind of. He's going like on. a wraith, a specter, or some some kind of, you know, just showed up a wraith wraith. that's the word it was a wraith-like experience yes i think i've actually like i paused awkwardly and didn't get out of the jeep and i texted you like bro he's right here staring at me like blair witch style what do i do so i pictured it i imagined it so he we he helped me load in a couple of boxes of merch and Mm -hmm. then disappeared Mm-hmm. Into the in, like Hannibal Lecter at the end of the movie disappeared into the crowd. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it was kind of. I was kind of like the doctor or the, or whoever. Like you know, like he he gave the phone call. Like he helped Will in with the merch and disappeared into the crowd. Like Hannibal Lecter. Next time I see him, it's like a few hours after. I I famously forty years old hurt my back that night, and I was I was limping around yeah. holding my yeah. back. It was a meme. I was a meme that night. I was a, I was an old broken man, and I'm like limping courageously to my coward coward more like cowardly to my car on the sidewalk, and that's when the leprechaun appeared, read the wrath like re- leprechaun again, um, and I was like, yo, I was like, hey man, and I, I was like, hey man, I hurt my back. He's like, come do a shot with me. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> oh no, come do a shot with me after all he's had. Come do a after- shot with me. Don't be a pussy. I was like, yo, I hurt my back. I'm going to my Jeep for a minute, bro. He's like, don't be a pussy. So I just oh start walking God. to my Jeep. He starts like screaming into my, like singing his sea shanties into my ear or whatever mm-hmm. that is that he does. And then we sat down in my Jeep. He followed me to the Jeep. He lights up a Newport, which is the nastiest smelling cigarette. I don't like the smell of cigarettes to begin with, but for some reason the menthol really bothers me, man. Fucking he, Newport, this guy. Yeah, lights yeah. lights up a, a Newport or whatever kind of cigarette he had in the passenger side of my. No, I don't. People don't smoke in my, you know, my whip. I don't. I'm not into that. Yeah. But he didn't even Same ask. Here. Takes a puff <laughs> and then immediately hangs ten out the passenger side window in the parking lot and starts vomiting his his vomit the soul. I can imagine it very clearly as though I was there. Why can I imagine it? Because I've experienced it multiple times, including the time in 2002. So we're going back 20 years when I had a party at my home. Jesus. Uh, And uh, this person, Pete, the Punisher, came to the house and vomited all over my. There was a bathroom and across from the bathroom, there was a closet and he opened the closet door and he threw up all over the closet floor. (laughs) You know, why I believe it. Oh, yeah. And then he went into the bathroom and he passed out in the bathtub. And then then everybody put their bare asses on his face over the course of the rest of the night. And photographs were taken of men's bare asses uh, being being mushed into his face. Jesus. So, so, hey, this is a 20 year thing. You know, culturally, 
the bare ass and pictures thing is where I I diverge a little bit. That was never. It wasn't my, my ass. I'll tell you that. I was the one laughing. I was yeah. I was laughing and probably snapping pictures with the one megapixel digital camera. Jesus! Wow. Okay. So this is all right. So regardless, I, I, the reason I believe it is because the Sleprechaun also appeared one night at my many years ago. My old apartment that I had with uh, my now ex girlfriend. Then at the time, uh, my girlfriend. We were drink. Me and the leprechaun were drinking in the kitchen area of the apartment, which was adjacent to the front door where you had a mat, where she had her new UGG boots and I had my my new Timberland boots on this mat by the front door where you take off your shoes to keep the footwear. The apartment, yeah, to keep the apartment clean. It was winter. And, yeah. and I was drinking with the leprechaun because that's what he does. He kind of like lures you and connives you into drinking with him. And and that's when the magic unfurls. That's when you unlock his magic pot of, of trouble. And he like like pointed his finger in the air, like like pointedly, like a professor making a making a very, you know, esteemed point in his in his like, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, research. Yeah, yeah, like 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 finger in the air. This is it, and then proceeded to vomit into said <laughs> boots, both pairs of boots. Yeah, that was, and then the leprechaun was was cast from my realm after that for a while. But he always manages to manifest. Again. It almost sounds like this guy, this leprechaun, would have been banned from multiple people's homes at one point. <laughs> He's not allowed multiple people's significant others. We'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God! But yeah, you know it's uh, it's it's all it's it's crazy times sometimes, and well, I unfortunately had to miss torturous inception, uh, and, and I was very much looking forward to seeing them. You know, it was uh, it was a matter of please take me home. Oh, so yeah. I was like, oh my God! So you know, what are you gonna do? I, I should have. Could have just let him hang out outside, get some air and whatnot. You no, know? no. Yeah, yeah. Let him loose on the yeah. street. Yeah, it would have caused problems. <laughs> no, no, no. You had to you had to chariot him back to his fabled realm <laughs> where his uh his his mistress will douse him down in Irish Spring yeah. and he'll awaken a new man. Shout out to the leprechaun. We love him anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. another person who probably knows who the lepre- leprechaun is without even uh, asking us behind the scenes and has experienced the leprechaun in all of his glory many times is none other than let's get down to business, buddy. Greg March of the band False Gods. And I was able to get him on the line uh, just a little while ago and ask him all about his experiences in the band, um, their most recent album that just came out, and more. Let's check it out. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with none other than Greg March, guitarist of False Gods. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, brother. Thank you for having me. Of course. Like I said before, it's long overdue. Uh, I appreciate your time. Um, listeners know that we may, may know that we had uh, Mikey Stack, your singer, on a while ago, man, but it's really good to have you on and, and to catch us up to speed with what's been going on with the band, man. Welcome to Heavy Hole Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Of course, man. And we always start at the top. 
Um, long before False Gods, I'm going to ask you the typical Heavy Hole podcast question. Are you from a musical family? Are there musicians that are older than yourself and your family or anyone who steered you into heavy metal and hard rock music along the way? I have musicians in my family. Um, none of them were and were into rock music or heavy metal or whatever. Um, my grandparents on my father's side, on the Irish side, were both operatic singers. Uh, my grandmother actually, before my grandfather went to World War II, she used to do uh, commercials for like Campbell's Soup and shit like that. Um, so they would sing. My mom is a singer uh, as well. She does theater, musical theater and, and stuff like that. Uh, my One of my uncles is a music teacher in East Meadow schools. Um, so yeah, I have a somewhat of a musical family, um, but no one was like, no one was, uh, stoked that I was like listening to heavy metal music. As a child, <laughs> <so>. Okay. <laughs> and we'll get, we'll get into that in a few minutes. And I actually know you, like, if I think back to my first memories of, of playing shows with bands you were in with my bands and things like that, I always think of you as a drummer and we'll get into that in a few minutes, but What's your first instrument that you pick up as a kid? Uh, drums, percussion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not to take anything away from you as a guitarist, obviously. I'm just getting that, like, you know, you're a multi-instrumentalist. So you pick up drums as a kid. Is that like some, I know some people who did it through like band class in school, literally, or like, like tell me about getting into drums as a kid. Uh, initially, yeah, I was kind of forced into playing an instrument um so i picked drums because they were like the least lame in my, <laughs> in my in my opinion at 10 years old um but then i started getting into music from there on in you know they had other schoolmates who like played guitar um actually one of my schoolmates in fourth grade his name was brian denise y'all know him from uh from one of the ashes we actually grew up a couple of blocks uh, away from each other and uh he was like one of the guys that like were like no you're gonna be a drummer because i need to drum. <laughs> i think he played guitar and he needed a drummer so i was like all right cool well, you have sticks well here's like you know here's warrant and poison and and motley crew so you know get get into it because we're going to start a band one day together okay man and you you did end up in a band with brian denive um uh, from autumn to oh, ashes yeah. late late well late Benny. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I said we were in many bands together as kids. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. One, well, one later on that I um, like I said before that that one of my bands played a lot of shows with. But tell me about that then, getting into drums. So Brian Denive, um, guitarist from Automash, is kind of a driving force when you're a kid getting into playing drums. Is he kind of like your exposure to maybe like what we would call the local hardcore and metal scene here on Long Island or like, you know, when? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No. All right. He wasn't fair really, enough. when we were kids, he wasn't really into shit like that. Like he was very um, uh, proficient at his instrument. He studied, he, he was like classically trained. Um, so it was just me, really. You know, after a while, I started getting, after like the hair metal thing, I started getting into like regular heavy metal or thrash metal and then that led me to like punk rock and then hardcore and then i don't know if it's still around now but when i was a kid 
there was a show on WUSB radio called Turmoil. Yes. Um, and that's where I started hearing more of the, the local bands. Uh, it's where I first heard like Integrity and uh, I've got so many. So I can't, you know, you know, VOD, all the lo- local type bands, uh, er- all those bands, all those bands from that era, mid 90s. So that was a big, uh, I, used to, I used to tape the shows. Um, and it was big. It was huge. I, I, I learned so much about music, really. Not just from, I mean, that radio station, uh, not just the turmoil, but uh, Earth Crisis, Strife, mm-hmm. Snapcase, and all those, all those bands. Yeah, being, I think, um, I'm, I'm sorry, did you say where you're from originally in Long Island? I don't know if you, how specific you'd like, you're comfortable getting. I'm from uh, a small little town called Medford. Medford. Got it. So being from Medford, you were probably close enough to get fairly good transmissions from Stony Brook Radio. Oh, yeah, totally. Got it. Because I'm out here in Huntington and Stony Brook Radio in the 90s, from what I recall, trying to get those shows like such as Turmoil and other shows that played that type of music. It was a little bit harder to get without getting the fuzz and the static, man. That's awesome. Because for people who don't realize, especially the pre-internet era or when the internet was very young, those college radio stations were crucial to people that were into heavy metal and hardcore and that sort of thing, man. Um, uh, and you mentioned Integrity, who you guys in False Gods actually covered uh, in Contrast uh, okay. of Sin on your latest album, Neurotopia, on Seeing Red Records, um, which is I, has been out for a few months, and you guys have been playing a lot of shows. You, you've been touring relentlessly, it seems like. You're, like I said before the interview, you're hard to ignore nowadays. You guys are always popping up. Um, and we do want to get into that, but so you pick up drums, um, you start kind of getting into metal and hardcore and punk and that sort of thing. Now, when I interviewed your singer, Mikey Stack, we talked a little bit about how he goes, uh, he goes back in Long Island with his own circle of friends and his own bands and scene. Do you go back with that crew of people and with Mikey Stack and his brother and those people very far or like, like teenage Greg March, like where are you at in terms of the hardcore scene? And, and, the, and the underground um, music scene. I, you know what? I probably... <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So when I was a kid, um, do you remember that guy that got killed at a Life of Agony show at Lemoore's? I've heard... It was st- years ago. Some I bouncer mean, threw him off the stage. I've heard stories, but yeah, I don't... And yeah. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I had to be like 13, 14 years old. There was actually footage of that guy getting thrown off the stage at Lemoore. He wound up dying, and they had it on Fox 5 News. And, like, I was watching the news, and, like, my mom saw it. And she was like, yeah, you're never going to any of these shits ever. <laughs> and uh, so the my mom's an actress. They used to, not at the PWAC. They also used to do like theater and performances and shit like that. And she act she did a couple of shows at the PWAC way back in the day. Um, and I think she kind of knew like what went on there. So anytime I was like, oh, you know, like I want to go to this papara, she's like, yeah, no, get the fuck out of here. Okay. So I had to like wait till um, I had my license at like 17 to start like really going to shows heavy, which was like 98, 99. Um, so no, and Mike is like four or five years older than me. So I wasn't, uh, I didn't know him till like I was in my early twenties. 
Um, but I didn't go back like that deep. I missed that whole era of like 95, 96, mm-hmm. you know, all that, all that stuff was, was kind of over once I started going to shows. As did I. But I was cognizant of it. Like I knew, yeah. I knew all those bands. I just, I had no one to take me to shows. I, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I kind of had this similar story, man. And, to catch the listeners up to speed, if they've listened to our a long time ago, we interviewed. Um, uh, well, we had well. First of all, we had John Berg from the Path. Um, we had we, we've nice. had we've had a lot of Long Island hardcore people on, and we've talked about the People with AIDS Coalition, the PWAC, which was a Long Island venue in the mid to late nineties that hosted yes. tons of legendary hardcore shows, and unfortunately, did get. Um, uh, at one point, like, uh, exploited, shut down, whatever you want to say. And the, the news was there, and the news covered it, and they sensationalized yeah. it. And it was about this 90s hardcore thing when hardcore was yeah. new and all this sort of thing. We've covered it in other episodes that dealt with Long Island hardcore in the past. But um, I just want to catch the listeners up to speed when you say that, because that's a pretty interesting story. I, You know, to this day, I had no idea that the PWAC hosted other events it makes sense that they would other than you know underground metal and hardcore events well i think what got them shut down is they had a rave there right and kids were getting fucking they're all you know on drugs and getting fucked up i think there was a rave it wasn't like a hardcore show that's to my understanding that's exactly what happened but um it kind of the hardcore scene felt the the brunt of that that news story as well oh, yeah, from, from from what I yeah yeah so um it was one of those type of things where they you know cuz they were also having like all ages hardcore shows there and i'm sure there were times where there was fights there or whoever we interviewed christian mcknight um oh, who who is a is. professional show promoter and um oh. you know music business entity we'll just say former former singer of the long island hardcore band cleanser he talked a lot about the um, the 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 PWAC scene there, and and that whole what we're talking about right now, the rave scene there, and the the news story that was done about it, and all that sort of thing, and probably why your mom didn't want you going to shows there. And all that sort of, so, uh, and and Dave, Dave Castile of um Dave Castile of uh, uh St. Vitus um bar, I think we probably talked about the PWAC club, I'm sure. So. Um, but yeah, I just want that. So that that's really interesting that you, that you say that, man. Um, so. Uh, your mom. That's funny because your mom was like working as an actress out of the PWAC, but the the hardcore scene, like she kind of knew what was up and and knew that there was some crazy stuff going on. Maybe 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 it was more the rave scene there than the hardcore scene. Uh, I was probably it was probably all of it. A <laughs> little, little bit of both. Kids having a good time, you know. Yeah. It was like yeah. oh yeah no. All right, you'll, man. You'll you'll do none of that. <laughs> So what's what's your first first band um, first band that played like played original music and played shows and played out a lot like where did you really um, uh, cut your teeth in terms of playing live music in in the underground scene? <laughs> I had a little band in high school. Uh, it was called Domain, and um, that's we um, actually Brian from from Autumn to Ashes was in it. Um, and then actually Rob Lauritsen, who would wind up playing in From Autumn to Ashes, was in it for a period of time as well. And we played uh, – I don't think we left Long Island. We played uh, – we just played all over Long Island, that, that whole scene, with all those bands, Subterfuge, uh, uh, Love for Enemies, before they you know, blew up, um, and Tarabe. 
um, God, who were the other bands? Center of Zero. There were so many bands back then that we played with. Um, but yeah, that was like my first band that kind of played, you know, semi-big shows. And um, I guess that would be the band. Okay. And, and is that kind of like the scene from where you start, start knowing Mikey Stack and those guys? Like, like the, you'd say like the oh, underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably around that time, 99, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. That's where I met the Stacks. Yeah, in our local hardcore scene. Yeah, yeah. Early two thousands. That's where Buckshot Facelift played our first show with "What Doesn't Kill Me," which is yeah, a yeah. band. Nice. Yeah, that Mikey Stack was in that predates uh, False Gods, and for for a little while ran concurrent with it, I think. And and now I don't think they're active anymore. But um, uh, so because that it's it's more than just bands. It's an extended social network. I'd say in Suffolk oh, County, time. yeah, you know, um, that's always kind of centered around Mikey and wherever he's him and um, his wife have been living at the time. You know, they've always been known for having sh- house shows and big parties and that sort of thing. And, and, oh, yeah. and you know, that's where you and me go back to, man. So it's that's like, you know, with this interview, man, I'm trying to conduct it as professionally as possible. But, you know, we're, I'm, I'm getting to that point where we also know each other from from weddings and parties and that sort of thing, too, man. So um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's all family here on the heavy. And this is also the the New York December here, where I purposely have just booked all New York and Long Island people through December for the holidays, man. So, um, nice. while we're getting into this point of it now, uh, False Gods is obvious. I think you guys started the band False Gods officially in 2015, right? Wow. Yeah, you did your homework. Uh, I always do. I think always that's do. when we played our first gig yeah in december of 2015 yes got it what's now we talked a little bit about your first bands you know real band quote unquote real band playing shows and you playing drums how how long do you go back playing guitar prior to false gods i always had a guitar at home and then any of the uh, original bands that i was in i would always contribute like a riff or two to the you know, to the songwriting. I was always somewhat involved. Um, so uh, right out of high school, I had like a guitar and, you know, I didn't want to, I just, I didn't want to be dictated to, I guess, you know, all the time. <laughs> huh. I didn't want like just the, to rely on just whatever guitar player that Did- was in the band that I was working in to like, you know, for him to have all the ideas. Um, any 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 type of the original bands. So I always was like, you know, trying to uh, contribute. You know, not just playing drums, just trying to write some music. And then, um, and then it came just time to like not rely on anyone else and do it on my own. Now I'm interested. Does that kind of flip now? And do you? I wouldn't say dictate, but do you take a, a big part in writing the drum elements uh, to no. to your riffs? No, I, I've no, I just uh, um, well, on the first little EP thing we did, I, I I played drums on it only, but it was you know, it was only because uh, it was, I wasn't even really trying to put it out. It was just I wrote a bunch of songs. Mike and I were in this band. Um, called Skeleton Killer, which was kind of like more stoner rock thing. Rob Lauritsen, who was in From Autumn to Ashes, played guitar in that band. Um, we did like a little EP, 
Um, we didn't really play out much, but um, from on the ashes, got back together in like 2014, 2015 to do shows and shit. And so that became more of Rob's focus. And then the band kind of disbanded, but I was like, yo, I still got some songs. If, you know, I'll play my guitar. And I recorded them with just guitar and drums. And I just showed it to Mike. I was like, you know, this, you want to do something like this? He was like, yeah, cool. I was like, all right. Well, so, and then I just had uh, Bro Town play bass, Brian, uh, <laughs> Mike's brother-in-law. Yeah, and then he joined the band initially, and then we got Paulie to play drums for shows, and and that was the first EP. Yeah, that's right. Because the band in the initial first stage was actually like literally a band of brothers. It was you who were longtime crew yeah. crew with those guys. Old old reverse stacks. Yes. Yeah, old, <laughs> old. You're like honorary stack, and um, the 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 two stack brothers, and then their brother-in-law, Brotown. Shout out to Brian Brotown. Um, uh, uh, Krasinski, uh, who has, uh, you know, s- stepped aside from the band for his own reasons, uh, you know, over the years. And we'll get it, we'll get into that and some of the other people that have gone. And, and uh, De- obviously, Devin Stracuza, who listeners may know from his time in Long Island bands like uh, Locus Mortis and others. Um, now, uh, Greg, I still got you. I saw a little, little bleep in the connection there. Yeah, it was, it was a little broken up, but I'm good now. Okay, all good. So, now, uh, I feel like we established a little bit of a base for, for False Gods. You talked about Skeleton Dealer, which is a band that um, you guys did play shows with Buckshot Facelift several times here on Long Island. I got some Fuck good yeah. memories from those times. And I felt like that was yeah, a good, great. it was a great transitional band into False Gods. Um, and it was interesting to see you take over on guitar, like you said. You know, you'd always contributed guitar, and it was time for you to take over. So... Had you had songs written for a long time in the bank and you were really looking to get this out of your system or was this, a, you know, like what was what was the deal with False Gods and and, and the transition from being like, I'm, I'm not going to be just the drummer who contributes music anymore. I'd like to take more of a lead role in terms of guitar and songwriting. Yeah, so the first uh, EP that we did as False Gods, their basically leftover skeleton dealer ideas that didn't get really used. Um, and I just, yeah, I had a bunch of these songs and one song in particular was called, uh, I can see you for what you truly are. It doesn't really sound like skeleton deal. It's more like a neurosis, neurosis, neurosis kind of a, a God flesh type of song that I was trying to do. Um, so those were, I, I had a bunch of songs just left over. I was like, I don't want to fucking... I don't want to uh, do nothing anymore. But then I was like, I also don't want to play drums and have to like show somebody and then they're going to do their own thing to it and then rewrite it. I'm like, ah, I'm just going to have to like learn how to like do this on my own and just kind of figure it out as I go. Um, Cause anytime you bring a, a song or a riff or some parts to the table, no matter who you're working with, you know, guitar-wise, they're always going to put their little spin on it. So it's like, I just didn't want to do that anymore. I just wanted my own vision to come through musically. So um, so that was, that was that. And I also feel like I've played with Mike in so many bands. Well, in Skeleton Do for so long, I was like, I kind of have a good idea, of, you know, uh, of what his voice 
does best and what it, you know, I don't say what it doesn't do, but I feel like, you know, I, I might be wrong. I don't know, but I feel like I have a, a good idea of like writing music to, to complement what he does vocally. That's a great point. But, you know, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <laughs> I I would agree with that. That's I never thought of it like that, but that's a great point. Is that because that's something I was trying to bring out before, like building up to the false gods part of this interview was that you have a history with Mikey Stack and his bands and and your music. You know, there's there's stuff that predates false gods that goes into false gods and i think you encapsulated it right there that you know what mikey's capable of with, with his very unique voice and very powerful voice um yes. and you are writing to his strengths i guess you might be able to say or to his case oh thank you yes. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, it all makes sense and it's clicking right now too having listened to the band because there's something about false gods that having listened to Skeleton Dealer, having known Mikey from uh, What Doesn't Kill Me, and there were you know there were other um, well Paradise for Parasites. There were other bands through the years. There were other things that came and went. And shout out to everybody. Uh, but False Gods feels kind of like the culmination of a lot of these type of things that happened through the years that I saw and a lot of local people saw behind the scenes at house shows and local shows. And to see False Gods breaking out a little bit now is is great. And it seems like you guys kind of have the recipe. You know, Mikey fits you and you fit Mikey in terms of writing. I hope so. Well, I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. 100%. 100%, man. It. And, uh, yeah, 100%. And listeners can go back. So, like we said, um, and you guys have a pretty, you know, you have, a, you have a pretty extensive catalog at this point. You released a series of EPs. Uh, right off the start from 16, 17, and 19, I'm looking back at reports from Oblivion and The Serpent and The Ladder, um, uh, which yeah. were probably the most recent things we had out, and No Symmetry, Only Delusion, your full length from 2020, since the last time we spoke with, with your singer, Mike. Disillusion. Um, I'm sorry, No Symmetry, Only Disillusion. I'm having trouble reading here. So... Um, but we haven't really talked to you That's much right. about Neurotopia, your latest full length from 2022. Uh, now, you guys have been working with Devin Stracuza on bass for several years now, right? Uh, he came. So Neurotopia was actually recorded in the summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came on during that time. Um, yeah, so it's been about. Uh, maybe a year. No, no, at least two years. Johnny went to Texas in tw 2020, 2021. That's um, right. Johnny Girak of uh, yeah. Om Omnia and Carcinogen played bass for yeah. you for, for quite some time uh, there in the middle between Brotown and Devon, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had some other guys. Actually, uh Nikki played bass for a little while. Nikki Luisi. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he was like, fuck this. I want to play guitar. <laughs> so uh, we got Johnny and Johnny was a, uh, Johnny was a fucking character, man. That was, those are some great years. <laughs> I, I, I got a lot of love for those guys. Else. I really uh, yeah. miss that kid. 
Good guy. Yeah, yeah, I hope he's doing great for himself, man. But I was sad when he when he uh moves uh to, to other parts of uh um the, the country, man. Um but but good for him. And uh I still keep in touch with him every now and again too, man. Good guy. And and Nick Louisi and Dev, I, I got a lot of love for those guys and for their generation and their their kind of extended social circle of uh, musicians and, and, and metal supporters in Long Island, man. What now this is interesting to me. Let's talk about this for a minute while we're kind of in this mid-period of False Gods and breaking into Neurotopia, your latest album from 2022. Um, you guys have, like I said, a in terms of, of yourself, uh, your drummer, uh, Paulie, and your singer, Mikey, who, you know, you guys have a roots in old school Long Island hardcore as well as the old school underground metal scene. I know you guys for a long time. Uh, those are kind of your roots. But now over the last several years, you've worked with musicians who are from a younger generation here on Long Island. I talk all the time on the podcast about the kind of resurgence of metal, the younger generation of people in their 20s and early 30s who are kind of keeping metal mm. going and rejuvenating it a lot. Um, I'd like to get your recollection and your experience of that with False Gods the last several years here on Long Island. I mean, obviously, some of your younger members are part of that. Yeah, I mean, ever since, um, I guess Brian left, we've always had a younger crew of kids come in. Basically, all of Locus Mortis, with the exception of the kid who sang, has played in false gods for a little bit. <laughs> Winkler, Nick Winkler, the other guitar player who played in false gods, who uh, he he he's like subbed Latouris for us. Um, huh. That whole like when I, we first saw them, Locus Mortis, we were like, oh, these these kids are fucking unbelievable, and we made friends with them really quick. Like when we first started as a band, and we did a bunch of shows with them, so they were like, they were killing it. And they were like our little brother band. And then um, they dug us too, which was great. So we basically <laughs> basically borrowed all of their members. Um, but it's great. I mean, they always, I think the, the younger kids have a way different perspective. Um, but they're not just kids. Like they're, they're very highly educated uh, musicians. And um, they know about the past, present, and what's, what's going to pop off in the future so it's it's very important to have them around and it's it's nice to be respected by like like a younger generation who knows music and not just knows what's hip and current just they're you know they're very educated um not just with you know on their instruments and just the science of music but um what's going on in the scene um currently today so it's it's been a blessing it's been fucking it's been great yeah, uh, I I would agree, man. You know, people like to take away from the younger generation because maybe they were able to discover a lot of this stuff on the internet and had more access to it, but it's all about what you do with it. And there's a lot of kids who, who really know this stuff inside out and are very accomplished with it, man. I would agree. And I, people know my bands, you know, very upfront. A lot of my um, bands enjoy the support and the uh, contributions and hard work of younger musicians than myself. Um, if we, if, if they didn't, we probably wouldn't be doing anything going, you know, you can't not like, I can understand why older dudes get frustrated, but like, (laughs) that's, I mean, it's, this sounds so fucking corny, but you know, to a certain extent, like they're the future of, of whatever the fuck we do. So you got to respect it. It's true. You might not have to like it, but you got to respect it. But these, I will say these kids in general are, uh, 
you know, special. You know, <laughs> there, there's that. Well, that locust mortis. I've been I've probably said it on the podcast before there that locust mortis crew, not just the band locust mortis, also funeral dancer. Now, there's just something special about that, that that scene that uh, a lot of those musicians. It's true. Grew out of man. Those, it's very true. That was an era of Long Island music. And a lot of those guys uh, also there's other pro- like I said, Omnia, there's other projects involved in funeral dancer and they were crazy so on yeah. and so forth. So on and so forth. There's yeah, there's that was an era, man. Um, eventually, I'll try to write the book or get somebody to write the Long Island metal book and we'll get it all documented. <laughs> but I'm doing my best with this podcast. But um, right now talking about false gods because you guys, you know, we're talking about playing with Locus Mortis and that sort of thing. You guys playing a lot of shows for people who maybe know you guys more from the shows you've been doing recently where you've gotten out of state quite a bit. Um, your 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 new album, which is getting out there, people might not realize that you guys were doing the local Long Island circuit hard, the local New York City circuit hard for a long time. I mean, you guys did a lot of local shows, a lot of bar shows, a lot of shows with bands of varying genres, death metal, hardcore, and so on. Am I am I accurate with all this? Oh yeah, yeah, we played New York way too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't saying that, but you guys have definitely cut your chops out here in Long Island and New York City. No, um, no, I, and, I, I know you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and done your share of it, done your share of it, yeah. Yeah, it's we when we we I guess when we first started out, I I, I didn't know where this was going to go. I didn't think we were going to, you know, play out of our backyard. Huh. And then it was like uh and then it started to grow legs and we started playing, you know, in the tri-state area a little bit. But we, uh, before we got signed, we were, we were, I, I, I know you didn't mean to buy it like this, but like we were playing New York way too much. Way, but, you know, it was like Brooklyn and Long Island constantly, you know, Jersey every now and again. But it was like, um, once we got signed, I'm like, it's time to get the fuck out of Dodge. And we've done so ever since. So it's, and that's going to continue. I don't want to be like, we're not the band that plays at Shakers once a month. Shakers <laughs> is like a club in Oakdale, Long we, Island for y'all who don't know. We talk but, about uh, it. We talk about Shakers oh, on like, the podcast. Our first couple of years, we were like the house band there. So it's like, we've kind of moved on to the next stage and just trying to, trying to keep it going. Hell yeah. Um, and you guys, I mean, speaking of moving on to the next stage and trying to keep it going, you guys did a tour with, um, uh, not, what, I'm sorry, what are they called now? Not Into Grief. Uh, is, um, Come to Grief. Come yeah. to Grief. I'm sorry, off the tip of my head, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing brain cells over here. Come to Grief. Sorry. You guys did, did a, a, a tour with this year. Um, tell me a little bit about that, man. I mean, that's... Because you guys have a style that I feel like is accessible to several different varieties of doom, death, hardcore music. But for some reason, Come to Grief seems to click very well with what you guys do. That tour that we just wrapped up was the best tour that we've done so far. Awesome. Uh, We've played with and on that tour, we played in front of the most people we've ever played to. Um, Just just uh it was the best tour we've ever done response wise um vibe wise i mean those guys in grief we played with them at saint vitus 
Um, I actually booked a show at St. Vitus with them. And I think like 2021, we, we finally got to meet them. And uh, it was, we've just clicked this, not just, you know, musically, but just as people. They were, and we played a show and I, I booked another show in Philly with them as well that we played. And it was just, uh, I love those guys. I mean, I love the band, you know, growing up, grief, you know, on the East Coast was like, they were our East Coast, like, I hate God, you know, but they were. Yeah. In, in my opinion, they were way more extreme. They're just fucking terrifying. And uh, I love I love this new stuff that they're doing. Their, their newest record that just came out on, on Translation Lost Records is fucking incredible. I got to hear it every night. They're like top A humans. Like, we had a fucking blast just like, just hanging out and talking with them. And it was just great. They're just... They're great dudes, man. We fucking played a short tour with this band called Etic, um, or Edict. I'm sorry. It's like a couple of dudes who were in uh, Bury Your Dead. Um, and we played, we did that tour in the summer. And those guys, we played up in Maine and they came out and just hung out with us. And I was like, oh, just to like hang. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. They were, they're, the, they're the real deal. Uh, it was a it was a blessing to play with them, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Hell yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully that man that expanded you guys a little bit in terms of uh, your support and and all that sort of thing, man. Um, uh, and this new album, let's talk a little bit about the recording of it because. I mean, right off the bat, if people go back and they know about False Gods and they've listened to the older material or this newer album. Uh, I would love to get a little insight into your gear and to the types of pedals, uh, amps, guitars that you have used and are currently using. If you're, you know, with what you're willing to share with the listeners. Oh, sure. The so I don't the gear I use live I don't record with. Okay. Uh, okay. The last uh, the last record was done at Westfall Studios. Um, so I just basically use whatever gear is there. I'm not really like, you know, in this like doom genre thing, whatever, there's a lot of gear worship. Like they, you know, they want to see like how many fucking amps you got and like how many boutique pedals you have. I am the absolute opposite. My guitar is like basic bro ESP <laughs> guitar. I have like functioning gear. Um, I have a big loud amplifier. But that's that's really about it. I don't really obsess about gear. Um, I think it's like, especially in like doom metal or whatever the fuck genre in sludge. I don't, I don't know. Uh, people get more obsessed with that sort of a thing as opposed to like the quality of the songwriting. Mm. So I kind of was like early on, like, a I can't afford all this fucking boutique shit. And B, like, I'd rather just focus on writing better songs as opposed to, like, you know, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on, on gear that I probably don't know how to use properly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you bring on tour and what do you bring live? Like, what's your go-to setup for, for playing a sh have, show? Um, I, I play out of currently a Viper... 100 it's like one of the the lower end models um it does the job um and then the amp i use is an orange thunderverb 200 
uh, big loud amp. They don't make nice. it anymore. A lot of bass, a lot of volume. Um, and that's it. Speaker cabinet wise, we just kind of backline with whoever, you know, we backline a lot at work. We're not afraid to, to like swap gear and shit like that. Cause the tours we're doing are really small, you know, it's not like, uh, we're not at that level yet where we're, we're, uh, where there's two full half stacks and, and all that <laughs> shit. It's just kind of like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll use whatever we got, whatever works. Yeah, well, shout, shout to Carrie and Vale. They backlined uh, everything for our last uh, tour with Reeking Our Support, sick. supporting nice. them. Um, yeah, that's how it is in the underground scene, man. Um, lo- love to hear it. So, uh, and, you know, while we're on this kind of like, you know, behind the scenes music tip, um, do do I have it right? Did you, you have taught music at some point in your life, right? I still, I was, um, so right out of college, I... I started to work for my drum instructor out on Long Island. His name is Frank Mediati. He had a, a private practice and then he started to rent second rooms at this place in Patchogue. And uh, like, right. It, it was him and this guy named John Michelli. John Michelli plays drums in meatloaf. Okay. So John had gotten a gig where he was doing some, some show in Vegas, uh, some like queen tribute show. And he was going to be out for like a year and a half, two years. So Frank, my drum instructor was like, Hey, I got a job for you. You can walk in. It was like 20, 30 students, like right there. I was like, all right, cool. And, uh, and then I grew it to about at the height. I was teaching six days a week, like 50 kids. You know, I had like a little day job at another music shop. And, uh, but yeah, I, I did private and private percussion instruction. I still do a little bit. Um, that's what I did right out of college until, I don't know, almost 10 years or so. I did that whole thing. Yeah. Does that get frustrating? Um, I'm sure there's kids that are great and students that are great, but does that get like very tedious and frustrating trying to be an artist yourself? sometimes yeah yeah I, I couldn't do it i couldn't do 50 kids now yeah that sounds like um, a lot i just don't I just don't have the patience for it um, but when huh. i was first starting out it was it you know i was thrown into situations where like some of my students were coming right out of jazz band or needed help with college auditions like i had to it made me get way better way better at everything sight reading um soloing technique stuff and just everything i had to start i had to relearn how to play like xylophone again wow you know, <laughs> you know there so i had to get kids ready for like competition on that and i was like oh boy all right so i felt uh i felt that just enhanced my ability as a musician I mean, definitely and exposed me to like classical music jazz music uh ethnic music i had to teach like conga lessons and how to like learn how to like properly play conga uh on, on occasions huh. and, uh it's great it was good but you know at this point in my life I, I can't deal with people who like it's hard to deal with kids who just like they the parents just want you to babysit them for like a half hour it's, it's like i'd rather just do something else 
Yeah, because because there's always going to be those people that kind of just have like you know the, they have the money for it, and they maybe their kids don't want don't have the interest or the discipline for it, and you kind of are stuck there, right? You know. Oh yeah, of course. I mean that's half yeah. the. I mean, if I had at my max, if I had I had fifty kids, I would say about two thirds of them. It was just like an, an activity after school, you know, like there was really only a small amount who wanted oh, to man. play and to get good. It was more like I have this piece in concert band that I have to learn. Show me it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have yeah. this xylophone piece. I have to learn like we have to work on it. So, um, so to paraphrase, two thirds of them are spoiled brats and the other third you have to like reteach yourself xylophone and conga. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> Something like that. I mean, there was there was a lot of kids who were very talented and wanted to. Nah, do this I, I, and they were very good, but I'm, yeah, I mean, that's but that's the business, though. Yeah, you yeah. know, not every this, not everyone's going to be a musician. You know, that's and you you go in that going into you go into it knowing that like <laughs> this is this is a business. So this is kind of like it's what it is. Either you dig it or you you don't. And you step out and you do something else. I yeah, man, and I'm joke. I'm making all these jokes out of respect and reverence for teachers of all kinds because it's not easy to teach anyone of any age. Um, I, no, I, it's not. yeah, man, that's what I'm getting at, man. I knew there had to be, you know, something there to it. So, but, and, and this is all funny. This is all interesting too, because we're talking about all this percussion and drum technique stuff and, and everything, but people who know false gods know you mainly as a guitarist. So I wanted people to get that dynamic, uh, of you being a multi-instrumentalist with a little bit of a history before false God. So I'm glad we went there. Oh, thank you, dude. Um, 100%, 100%, man. We always like to give people like the deep dive here on the Heavy Hole podcast. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, man. And it, well, another question that I have, not, not related, but here's something else I wanted to get out of the way. And we talked to your singer, Mikey Stack, like we said several months ago. People can go back and listen to that if they want. And he recently moved very far out of state from New York down south, um, and I just wanted to like, but it also seems like that kind of, is it fair to say did that in some way kickstart you guys to play a lot more shows at a state and, and like, did, did it maybe like change the dynamic of the band in a way to where you got busier? Uh, it forced us to not take all these shitty local gigs that we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I get so it. So I was like... <laughs> So it 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 got to a point where it's like the only shows we can really do are like weekend warrior type tours, um, three, four, five dayers, um, and that's been important. That's been a big. Uh, that's what's. I don't say we don't probably haven't arrived, you know, or anything, but that's what's helped us. Um get the name out there i guess for lack of a better phrase we're just taking better shows and getting out of new york as much as possible which is which i think for a band like us is is very important you know uh yeah it's forced us to to not be uh local yokels anymore which mm. is a good thing it's a great thing i i yeah because that's why i asked i wanted to explore that because as much as i miss mikey um and look forward to seeing him <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, when your friends move, it sucks. But at the same time, you know, sometimes that would break a band up 
But for you guys, it seems to have raised the band's profile in terms of what you're doing now. And it makes sense when you explain it like that because you guys were for a long time. And, you know, I, you know, you say local yokels. I say you guys cut your chops here on Long Island playing the, the dive bars and the local shows and the hardcore shows and whatever, you know, whatever was around. And that's why you guys are a tight act live. And now it's kind of like because Mikey isn't as readily available and you have to, you know, you have to logistically, it's more difficult. Now the shows have to make more sense. It has raised your profile a, a little bit, man. So that's, it, it's, it's cool to get that. And I think there's something to learn there maybe for younger and more aspiring bands and artists there about, um, you always want to support your local scene. You always want to be down with your local scene and play, you start out in your local scene, obviously, but there comes a point of saturation where you want to start looking yeah. towards other markets and not saturate yourself in your hometown. Yeah, that's key. Uh, we definitely fell prey to that. Um, and Mike moving to Mississippi forced us to not be that band anymore. So in, in that regard, it's been fantastic. Um, and then we're just constantly, you know, the beautiful thing about being in New York is you're so close to so many different markets. Like we can, he can come up here and we can hit New England, the whole area mm. for four or five days you know we can hit brooklyn and and jersey and philly and that could be a run we can go out to the midwest and it's not too too far for us and that could be a run um um so there's a lot of centralized markets that are pretty close to us um that we can hit like you know had we lived like say on the west coast you know if we were in california there's that's not as many it's like 10 hours to get yeah. from like LA to, to San Francisco. So, or something like that. I don't know if it's 10 hours, but anyway, what I'm saying is being in New York, not only is it an advantage because you're in like the cultural epicenter of the world, but there's so many different markets, especially for metal um, that we can hit and don't have to be out for like a month and a half. And you can kind of hit as like an independent act and kind of get in, get out. And uh, it's, it's working okay for us now. I think, uh, the focus in 2023 definitely is trying to hit the South hit uh, of the country. I think uh, not that they, it's a, not that it's a bigger scene here, but I feel like there's a little bit more respect for bands like us, you know, South of uh, anything South of Philly, I feel like is the South. So um, I, so that's going to be our focus for next year is trying to play more of the, uh, it's the south of the country, south of the Mason Dixie line. That well, I don't even know where that is. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, coming from Long Island, I don't blame you, man. But you know, I know you. I know what you're talking about because the style of music you guys um, mainly play, although you inject a lot of extreme metal and and I'll say New York hardcore in there. Um, is more associated, like you said, south of the Mason-Dixon line, I, I guess you could say, man, with bands like I Hate God uh, and and so on and so Soylent Green and so on and so forth and all that sort of thing. So I love Soylent Green, dude. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about doom metal and sludge metal and um, that, that sort of thing, obviously, you know, you said like Grief is well known for being kind of like the northeastern version of that, that sort of thing, man. But yeah, obviously down south, um, has a lot to do with the history of that. So I, I get it, man. It makes a lot of sense. 
And um, also, you know, with the New York winters, it makes sense, too, to go down south for a little while, man. I know uh, my buddy Rob Wharton from Cognitive, shout to him, he, you know, he schooled me a long time ago, man. You want to go on, on tour down south during the winter, and then you do New England yeah. during the summer, you know. It's going to make things a lot easier on the road. Yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 34 degrees now. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, dude, it's too cold out here. But... <laughs> uh, but um, with Cognitive that- is great, man. Like we did our first, like I think first or second show ever. They played um, like in 2016, 2017. And they just they've just exploded. It's 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 been pretty awesome to see uh, to see their them like just blow up like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. great, and it's well deserved too because they're fucking incredible. Hard work, a lot of hard work in the cognitive. Yeah, yeah, a lot of hard work. People don't realize that shit. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's a lot of hard work to do this shit. A lot of personal sacrifice, a lot of uh, contributions and um, involvement with session members and fill-in members and taking opportunities, um, you know, taking one for the team. It's There's a lot of things that go on, man, behind the scenes that people don't realize to get, yeah. excuse me. Doing the shit level. when you don't fucking want to do it, <laughs> but you right. have to do it because it's good for the, it's good for the, uh, the team. Yeah, taking yeah. one for the team. That's all part of it, man. So Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Um speaking of the team now, man, as as we wind down, um what's, you know, you said 2023 getting down south is a big goal for you guys because you guys have been playing live a lot. You've been getting out of state a lot, hitting new markets, that sort of thing. Uh, the album is still fresh, like we said, Neurotopia from 2022. It's only a few months off the press, but um, are there any anything you want to plug coming up? Any uh, news? Any any words of new material? Anything like that you want to get into uh, yeah. before we okay. wind down? So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. We're gonna release a split uh, with this band from Japan, the the sludgecore band called. Uh, I'm gonna get their name wrong. Uh, Aburio, A B U I R O, Aburio. Okay. I, I'm I'm saying it wrong, but uh, that's gonna come out. We recorded two songs uh, at West Fall Studios, the same place we did Neurotopia in the summer. Um, they're finished, so we're just getting artwork and and all that stuff out. So that should be out. They're 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 putting it out. They have a small little label. Um, so they're going to put it out earlier in the year. I don't know exactly. The, the date got pushed back a couple of times. So, But we're going to put the split out. And then um, I can't really announce. We're playing a fest in uh, not super south in, in, in Maryland uh, in April. I can't really announce what it is yet, whatever. Um, but it's going to be big. Um, so we're going to do a, a small tour down there. Um, we're probably going to hit the New England area again in May. Uh, in June, we're going, we're playing the Maryland Doom Fest. Uh, we're we're going to be on the road with this band called Guts. Uh, they're phenomenal. Um, so that's it for now. We're going to take the first three months off of touring to write another record or to get started on writing another record. Um, so hopefully within those three months, we can make some headway. And then by the, we'll probably be playing shows and touring throughout the rest of the summer. 
So hopefully by the fall, we can get back in the studio and and record another record because it's it's time. All right, man. So plans to keep very busy and keep the same uh, uh, busy work schedule through 2023. I love it. Um, and we'll be on the lookout yeah, for you. Yeah, there's that. no there's no stopping. It's going to be like this for yeah. the next, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea until <laughs> we're <yeah>. dead. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got well, enough material written as far as music is concerned that um, we'll be busy. That's the right attitude, we'll though, busy. man. So uh, with that being yeah. said now, um, winding down as, as we're respectful of your time, uh, the, the, the question I always lead off with, um, uh, well, I always finish off with, could you please recommend for me and the listeners one older and one newer release by any artists, um, metal or otherwise? It could be a demo, EP, album, or anything. Just something old and something new for me and the listeners to check out. Something old. Okay. How How old? Doesn't matter. Like Doesn't not 2021? Yeah. Yeah. A few years old, you know. Yeah. That doesn't matter, man. Uh, 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 okay. I'll, you know what? I'll do this first. The, the I'll do the, the new first because I've been like listening. I was anticipating, you, I, <laughs> I was anticipating us doing like a top 10 of 2022 because those lists are coming out now. Oh, so okay. like, oh, fuck, I better be prepared. They never listen to new music ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been listening to like a whole bunch of new shit. Uh, one of my favorite new records from this year is that new author and Punisher record. Um, I fucking I forget what it's called, Crawler or Crueler. I, I I wasn't really into this band until like I you know it's the guy with the, he, the one piece yes. guy has like a whole machine that he plays. Yes. Um, yeah. But this new record sounds fucking incredible. It sounds like fucking typo negative. It's excellent if you're into that sort of a thing. Uh, old man. I don't, man. I don't really know. Hmm. Um, I, all I listened to was <laughs> all I listened to was like old music. Uh, I'll tell you uh, the last old record I listened to was Roy Orbison's In Dreams. I watched uh, huh. uh, Blue Velvet, David Lynch's Blue Velvet, uh, recently. Um, for the first time, okay, and one of the, and that song is in there, and I checked out the whole record. I'm like, oh, Roy Orbison's so fucking good, dude. So yeah. that's like the last old record you know, I listen to. I listen to all old music, whether it's like old jazz or like Frank Sinatra or um, Carlos Jobim, you know, Lady from Ipanema, you know, all that shit. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Cal Jader, he's like a jazz vibraphonist. Yeah. Um, so it's like there's too many like old records for me to recommend, but that's the last old record okay. that I listened to recently that I'm kind of obsessed with. <laughs> Roy Roy Orbison, no joke. Roy Orbison, a pioneer of sunglasses, just making you look cool as an image in rock and roll. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was like legally blind, so <laughs> it was. But hey, it, that's kind of where that came from. His eyes were all fucked up. I mean, look, you know, you know, no, no comment on anyone who's who's blind or has a, uh, some sort of visual impairment. But it was a look for Roy Orbison as a rock singer, man. It worked. You oh, know? it worked. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't th- but so, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he's trying to look cool, but I know, like, he had 
in his later years, he had vision impairment where he had a tough well, life. You know, his, his daughter and his wife, I think, died mm. in a house fire. And I think he ever recovered for that. That's where a lot of those like songs come from. See, this you listen to the, mu- the music and the lyrics. It's like really deep and like knowing the, the history. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's fucking brilliant. Okay, see, well, see, I don't go this deep on Roy Orbison at, at all. I know him more on a surface. <laughs> surface. Well, no, it's true. I know him more on a. You got me interested now. I might have to look this stuff, this type of thing <laughs> up now. Good. This is well. This is seriously why we asked that question because you got me on a whole different tangent now, man. Because on a surface level, whether or not he was intending to, he did look cool with the shades. I'll say that much. Oh, but fuck I, yeah, dude. I okay. did. I didn't know that much of the depth of the man's uh, pain in his life. So you know, it's it's the music always has more depth itself when you know that sort of thing. So Roy Orbison. Man, I you know she that that's why we asked that question. We don't know where we're going. We end up with Roy Orbison's tragedy, uh, which uh, you know, which adds to the uh, to dude. the to the depth of his art. You know, well, you're the fucking best, man. <laughs> this is so much fun, dude. I could I could do this for hours. Hell yeah, man, um, dude. Th- that's why I do it, man. I literally do do it for hours, man. Uh, you know, we're trying to bring bring people. Um, we've been consistent with an episode one, at least one episode a week ever since we started, man. And it's because it's so much fun to catch up uh, with people like you, who I've known for years, who are my old friends, or who I haven't talked to in a while, and meet new people as well, man. So you know, uh, that's that's exactly why we do this, man. And you're I, killing it, brother. You know, we uh, we're so we're so we're fucking so proud of you, man. You've been fucking killing this shit for years. <laughs> I I'm glad because my my dad my pleasure to fucking my my dad's not proud of him. he doesn't understand what a podcast is yeah I try to explain to him all the time but he doesn't get it man <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm busting balls I'm joking but um uh, no I, I I appreciate it man and um we appreciate your time like we said false gods in 2023 is going to be doing a little bit of recording and writing a lot of playing shows more recording and writing um one of the few bands where a key member relocating has actually like kind of put more more coal in the engine i guess we could say or something along those lines man reignited the fires man so we wish you guys the best of luck going forward and greg any parting words for fans of false gods and listeners of our podcast uh yeah keep your eyes peeled for uh 2023 uh a lot more a lot more uh uh what's the what's the cliche Oh, I, I can't fucking remember. A lot more gas in the tank or, or whatever. God damn it. I fucking blew it. I blew my line. Ah, whatever. We're not going away anytime soon. So you're just going to have to fucking deal with us. So. All right. I like Sorry. that. Sorry. Sorry about that. That's more Long Island anyway. That works better anyway, man. <laughs> All right, Greg. We appreciate your time, man. We encourage everybody to check out. Um, That's right, baby. <laughs> uh, the new album, Neurotopia, on uh, Seeing Red Records by uh, False Gods, man. Greg, we love you, brother. Have a great night. You too, brother. Love you. It's like they say you could do a lot more with uh, fiction than with nonfiction true, sometimes, true, man. That's We're writing a spy novel here about the leprechaun. But shout out to Greg March. We're just going to keep, we're going to go right in with that. Shout out to Greg yeah. March, man. That was a great interview. In all seriousness, we appreciate him and his time. 
uh, and him and his bandmates know all about the Leprechaun, man. But moving on, uh, maybe we'll, re- re- we'll revisit that around St. Patrick's Day. But, Rick, I got you here, buddy. Um, yeah, man. I asked you for a recommendation. You hit me over the head with something a little unexpected. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you come out of left field. That's it. Got to mix things up a little bit. Um, should I go into what it was? This is a band, uh, friend of mine's band, James Danzo. He has a sick band called Tower. They're, um, I would say, picture some of the high-octane, late 70s, early 80s, speed, uh, new wave of British heavy metal kind of high octane guitars is how i how i describe is what i hear and of course um the vocals in in on this album and in this band are to me very impressive so that's why i recommended it to you a little something different because i know you know while it's not your uh go-to you know you're into that queen you're into queen's reich and some some early you know stuff and some 80s stuff like that so i figured this might be up your alley a little bit like you said unexpectedly so out of left field see what you think I yeah I was pleasantly surprised by this man this is awesome it was catchy it was tight it was all killer no filler um yeah. the vocals were great uh it's like you know that's the thing about this type of this type of music um uh the clean vocal more power metal heavy metal type whatever you want to call this type of stuff the vocals have to be like they have to strike the right uh, uh chord with me you know so to mm-hmm. speak no pun intended man um yeah, and this totally. this really hit me and it there's I'm not saying this just because of the name, but there's another female-fronted kind of um, nostalgic metal band. Remember Ghost Tower that um, mm. Mike from Paragon Records put out? Yeah, a actually, while back. Uh-huh. All I'm gonna say is, you know, the the similarities in band name aside, really powerful um, female-fronted uh, huh. 80s style metal bands. And, and about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. It was just, just something kind of like reminded me there of, of that that parallel. But yeah, this was awesome, man. I was really into yeah. this. Like I said, it was, there was nothing cheesy about it. There was, sometimes you hear mm. bands that are kind of doing that old school style and it sounds a little dated, but th- this this really nails it. This is cool stuff, man. It's got balls. Well, I've, I've known Danzo for 20 years on on the computer we met you know years ago on the metal maniacs board bulletin mm. board we're talking about here on the internet like in 1999 or some shit you know okay. that's where i know this gentleman from um that's you know this is what he lives like he loves this shit so the music it translates very well to the to the style that these guys are doing um you know, he's he's he, Danzo's the man. Uh, he used to play guitar in Deceased. He was a live guitar touring guitarist in Deceased for a few years. Um, just uh, a little bit of minutia there. Guy, the guy fucking shreds on guitar. I saw that, and I'm wondering. I, I feel like I may have met this guy. Um, yeah, you, you, you maybe at um, Vitus. Uh, what was that fest in the summer? This this past summer that that you, uh, you guys was that yeah the- Necrofest he showed yeah. up there and I could have introduced you to him there, um, yeah so it might have been there I I definitely could have could have we could have bumped into each other with you around at one point yeah. he came James hung out at the uh, Grace guys uh, recording session with Colin. Uh, a few months ago it wasn't my finest hour it was cold <laughs> I was, not it was it was summertime but i was cold i was sitting down and trying to fire things up and a little rusty but you know it's all right there 
album's turning out pretty good though after all that so yeah good guys band is fucking awesome and they're from new york city on uh, cruz del sore music that italian label tower all right cool man um yeah maybe we'll even try to get him on eventually if he wants to uh, speak his piece that would be a great idea man i'm yeah. sure he can give you some king fowley tales or you know things of this nature and uh you'd be a great guest yeah always down for the uh the fowley tales so that's tower with shock to the system on uh cruz del sur music recommendation isn't as uh homespun we'll say i'm taking you mm-hmm. far away in time and place uh right now um did you get a chance to listen to the band ripping flesh um i'm gonna be talking about the one from mexico there's there's another one i think from colombia not to be confused with their 1992 ep entitled mercy yes Yes, I did. And I was not aware of this. I've heard the name, you know, like you said, there are two bands. So maybe, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, Ripping Flesh, that's a death metal name, you know. So like fucking shit was like, it took me aback when I first, when I put it on. It was very, I was very impressed with it. Initial reactions were the guitar tone. I, I, all right, Mexico. This is Mexico, probably recorded in 1991, 1992, right? The album came out in 92. So the technology, we're not talking about modern day uh, technology recording wise, right? So the no, sound, yeah. the sounds a little, you know, it sounds like a, like an 80s demo or, or like a, better, a little better quality. But, you know, I, I was initially, the guitar tone kind of reminded me of, unleashed across the open sea a little there's no hm2 on there but it kind of i can't describe it it sounds like a marshall whatever combo or something but the riffs and shit fucking awesome the vocals reminded me of desultory and then they go into like death they, they do some like, like human kind of shit yeah uh, like mixing through there and uh is really impressive I mean, for three songs, it, it, 12 minutes long. And it felt like it was longer. Like I was like, this is only 12 minutes. Like it feels like there's more going on than they put a lot in that 12 minutes. Yeah. I don't think there's much I could say. Like I, th- I think you articulated everything that can be said. Cause it is, it's like a 12 minute long release. It's two songs with the outro. It was originally put out as a seven inch on reborn right. records. Um, I believe that this was released at some point as a compilation with their two demos that they had be- prior to this. But yeah, this is it's a quick little bite if people want to check this out. And like you said, um, it captured s- some really cool, brutal elements of Swedish death metal right. uh, and then kind of maybe surprises you with a little bit of the technicality and sophistication um, especially for 1992 that they display exactly. yeah later yes. on it's it's just a perfect little and it's like two songs with an outro so it's kind of like there's no room for them to screw it up you know you know it's just a perfect mm-hmm. little bite of death metal man and um yeah i mean i looked into it as soon as i heard it uh this morning so this is new right so i jumped on discogs and you could see that they have the seven inch the original seven inch but 
Um, that's not too bad, uh, price wise. Um, but there was, like you said, that re-release with this parallel windows, the, uh, the, the, uh, original demo or the EP that they put out on their own looks yeah. like the year before, <laughs> excuse me. So I went on and I bought the only, uh, CD copy of the re-release on Diabolos productions, 2012 mercy slash parallel windows CD. I got that for like 10 bucks. Bastard good, good deal. Yeah. Bastard, last one see- on there. Now, now, just for the listeners, I recommended this to Rick last night, and he already snatched that up off Discogs. Usually when I give recommendations, I will scan Discogs and eBay first before it goes <laughs> up. But this time, Rick even be – I'm not mad at you, man. Just like just Sorry, like, man. just like Terrell with that uh, uh, Heretic by Morbid Angel and me with the uh, Dark Funeral and the record well, – uh, uh, what was that? Marigold Records down there. The only reason why I didn't go with the vinyl, let's see, because well, I'm I'm into CDs again these days, so it was a good it was a good deal for the ten bucks. But the vinyl, um, they did the compilation, the same one on vinyl, and it's not bad. Uh, the only problem is you can't get it domestic, so the cheapest, like after shipping, there's one for twenty five bucks after shipping coming from Sweden, so that's not bad. But yeah, I mean, it could be had on vinyl for about that. And there was only 500 copies made in 2012 of it. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for showing me this. It's really good. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all good, man. In record collecting, it's uh, it's like in love and, in love and war, man, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and all's, uh, all's it, it was like, what happened to these guys? And then it turns out they changed their name. Okay. And uh, they changed their name in 2000. Oh, no. Excuse me. 93. They changed their name to Agony Lords. So. So huh. we have a Mikey Stack connection here with the uh, with the Greg March being on the show today. Shout out to Mikey Stack and the Agony Kings this is the first thing that reminded me of. Yeah. I wonder if there was an Agony Lords, Agony Kings beef going on, uh, you know, at, at one point, because how can you be the Lords and these guys are the Kings? You, know, you understand? So there's only there's not, not enough room. There's well, not enough room for two they're so, they're they're separated by by um I don't want to get political but they're separated by a border so at least hopefully <laughs> hopefully for now it doesn't get but I'm looking now agony lords Rick I've got I gotta yeah. thank you for enriching this recommendation I had no mm-hmm. idea didn't look into yeah. that metal archives I gotta call them does not have a direct link um in the ripping flesh thing so yeah three the original vocalist drummer and bass player of the, of ripping flesh are actually still to this day apparently active in agony lords um yeah. with two other guys and they just put out an album in 2020 uh their fourth full length under that name so i i gotta right. i gotta get on that yeah they it looks like they reformed <laughs> around 2008 they had a little run there and uh uh, let's see, 93 to 2000 as Agony Lords. Then I guess they broke up and reformed 2008 to present. So that's pretty cool. Something to, some to uh, dig into, see if they're any, uh, see if they stuck with that style or, Interesting. or whatnot. I could see them getting uh, more. I mean, just from that death influence I hear on there, I could see these dudes getting more uh, prog uh, sounding as the years go on. That's just, I haven't heard anything. That's what I, you know, just my opinion, like, my guess is that they got a little more technical. Well, I it's something for us to all check out. I originally just brought I, I found this Ripping Flesh 
uh, original two-song EP online. It was popped up in my algorithm, and I said, let me bring this on the podcast. Rick, you've kind of, like, elaborated yeah. on it for me, which is great. So we'll let the listeners go back. You can go back before the EP and check out the two demos as Ripping Flesh, or you can go forward and check out all four of their full lengths as Agony Lord. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Agony, Agony Kings probably didn't come up with Greg, but um, yeah. yeah, Mikey Stack was in the band Agony King. So it's all coming together on Heavy Hole yeah, Podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying. A big family here. Um, yeah. yeah, let's... let's Speaking of family, I'm going to ask Tom to bring people out on some of this uh, Ripping Flesh with their EP Mercy from 1992, Ripping Flesh from Mexico. Appreciate it, man. Shout out to Tom and Justin, everybody behind the scenes, man. Thanks to everybody Thank helping you, me out uh, all year. And, you know, we, you know Rick, thank, obviously thanks to you, but we also had Terrell uh, and Sam Sherrick and Dave Gladding. Um, a lot of different people hold me down on the, the co-host front. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, man. Um, looking forward to it in the next year. We booked some guests already for the next year. Um, I conducted our first international interview of 2023. I've wow. Booked Mon- the day after Christmas, Monday, I'm conducting our first listener-requested interview of the new year. And we'll shout out the listener. If you want to get on social media or heavyholepodcast at gmail.com, the voicemail number should be in the des- description wherever you're listening to this. Let us know what you want, who you want us to interview, and all that sort of thing. Um, or if you got recommendations on your own, like last week we played uh, a recommendation. Ezra from Texas called in and told us about two albums he liked. Man, shout out to him. Um, we, we appreciate everybody out there that's been holding us down and shouting us out. And uh, uh, I... <laughs> Tom's going to have to edit that now. We appreciate everybody that's been holding us down. I just want to shout you out for that, man. Um, And on that note, we have a a Heavy Hole podcast uh, Patreon. We have little behind-the-scenes clips. Maybe we, Rick, we should kind of maybe do like a behind-the-scenes ancient, you know, like like ancient aliens. We could do ancient leprechaun, and we could just do stories about the leprechaun. Jesus, God. I mean, you could do a whole series, a whole Patreon series on it. Like every episode could be a different story about a different tale about a different incident. A different, you know? Yeah, an incident. An incident. <laughs> this could be a multiple season, uh, season long uh, Patreon special. You understand what I'm trying to explain oh, here? This man. is how much material we've been given over 25 years. Yeah, we got. Uh, let me get on the horn with Netflix first, man. <laughs> I just saw. Um, I just saw Netflix is bringing. They're bringing the '90s show. Hmm. And they still got the guy. Well, wasn't the guy in RoboCop? He's the grandfather. Oh yeah, yeah. Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, he's, that's right. He's yo. He's still getting checks. He's he's on that. He's on the '90s show now. Coming. I, yeah. I'm the, no oh, plug for man. for that. You know, I'm not trying to plug Netflix, but I love that guy, man. I, I love RoboCop all day, man. Mm-hmm. I, I was always I glad. Saw to, that. You go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was just glad to see that guy as like a real smug asshole, even on like a sitcom. You know. Yeah, I, that's where I knew him from was RoboCop. When that 70s show came out, I said, that's fucking Clarence Boddicker. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I saw that movie when I was 10 years old in the movie theaters with my father. My father used to bring me into the most violent fucking movies. You know, it was the 80s. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. How, 
these kids, these kids today, they don't go to, they don't go to violence. They don't go to RoboCop mm. movies. They don't go to fucking Delta Force starring Chuck Norris movies that I used to go see when I was a young boy. Bro, come on. The, you understand? What was it? The second RoboCop with the um, the the big ass the the next generation RoboCop thing mm. that it's got like arms for like cannons for arms. When that when it spoiler alert when it blow when it blows that guy out the window in the conference room, man, yeah, that's, yeah, yo, yeah, that yeah. scared the shit out of me yeah. as a kid. And two oh fucking nine or whatever, yeah. fuck, scared the shit out of me in the, in nineteen eighty seven when he comes out and destroys everybody. Just awesome, so so awesome, man. I gotta say, I think I I think I already brought up this important issue before on the podcast, but um, RoboCop, the TV series, worth a <laughs> shot. Worth a shot. Wow. Um, was Peter Weller in that, or was it some other dude? I think it was mainly, I think it was mostly different actors. Uh, gotcha. But 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 the thing, I, I, you know, I didn't really do a lot of behind-the-scenes research, but Adam and I, we were at a state performing, uh, we performed at a noise fest this year, um, and, and we were cooped up in a hotel room for like almost a whole day because it was raining cats and dogs out there. And and we found, oh man, what was the name of the channel? It was a channel that only runs 80s and 90s sci-fi like TV shows and movies. And they were having a RoboCop Crazy. marathon. So they played like four or five episodes of the RoboCop TV show before the actual wow. movies. And it was fucking awesome, man. I got to say, it was, it, it was like very, if you're a fan of the RoboCop movies and you want to binge watch something this holiday season, give that a shot. I don't even Sounds know. Sounds amazing, man. I don't Sounds know fucking you, amazing. I don't even know where you'd begin to find it, but good luck. There's a <laughs> there's a guy. His name is like I think his name is. There's a villain whose name is like Pudface. Just like oh my a, god. Yeah, I mean his, his face just looks like a scrotum. I don't know how they got that past the censors, <laughs> but whatever, man. Um, I, 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 enough about RoboCop, man. We'll, we'll get there soon enough in this dystopian future we're headed towards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coming in 2023, yeah. Rick. I want to thank you for accompanying me on this journey tonight for the last yeah, uh, heavy hole podcast of the year. Thanks to Greg March and all of False Gods. Um, we'll get some of those guys on here in the future who we haven't had on before. Maybe we'll get Mikey Stack back next year. Yes, real quick with the False Gods. You know, I I, I rock the False Gods hoodie. I don't know if you saw me wearing it the other day. It was it's a nice hoodie I got. Like about five years ago, and I was too fat to fit into it, so now I can fit into it. So now I wear it. So I wear it when I go to work sometimes. I uh, work in New York City, and at least three or four times in the past two weeks, and I'm only there like two times a week, I get approached by random people to say, what is that? And I was like, what is what? And they said, what's false gods? I was like, Okay, so then you get into the conversation. So, and then the last guy pulls up to me on a bike. He's like, "Is that a group?" I was like, "Is what a group? Is False Gods a group?" I was like, "Yeah, they're a group, man. They play fucking Doom and 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 yeah, a group like this." He's like, "Yo, I grew up in the Bronx. So I know all about hip hop and 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 metal and early metal." I, we started talking about this shit, and I was like, "Yeah, you gotta check out Mikey fucking Stack and Greg March and False Gods. Shit wow. is fucking sick." Wow, I, yeah, I like how you flexed subtly in there that you that you lost all this weight, tough guy. I got I got news for you too, Rick. Rick Rick's always relentlessly flexing on me that that he's that he's losing weight and exercise. No, no I'm I'm on. I'm joking for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. Uh, I've been hiking lately. I have been hiking. I've been trying to get at it, man. I'm trying to get behind this thing because I want. Um, uh, if I died, it would be very convenient for some people. We can't have that. That's all I'll say. So to looking well, for it would to- not be convenient for a lot of people. So let's not <laughs> let's not get carried away here. You know, hiking is good, man. It's it's good exercise for sure. You know, it, you know, especially 
where I am, man, is mountains and shit. But uh, yeah, keep, keep at it, and that's that's it, man. I'm living on a hope, a dream, and a grudge this year. That's my <laughs> that's my thing. Shout to Reconora and Exsanguinated and Afterbirth. We're going after it this year, man. Um, yeah, man. I think that about wraps it up, Rick. Yep. Um, I speaking of wrapped up, I know Gray Sky's Fallen has concluded this, this the current sessions, right? Uh, we did uh, vocals. We did. We I started vocals. And I'm I'm good for. I've come to the conclusion. I'm good for about two songs per session until um, the voice starts getting a little fried. So um, I got six six to go. So I think I'm gonna do two or three more sessions, and, and uh, we'll be finished uh, by February. And uh, those first two songs are in the hands of Dan Swano right now hopefully being mixed but it is the christmas so i'll give him a, i cut him a little slack you know i cut dan swano a little slack perhaps and i wait a little bit <laughs> bit for these two songs and uh get them over to certain people and hope think good things occur and then we finish the album and uh that's that i like it, it comes out yeah, I, I like it i'm gonna i'm gonna be headed over there to collins uh in april Oh, um, I did hear about that. I can't wait. I'm gonna have probably. Yeah. I'm gonna probably sit, come and come there, un- uninvited, unannounced, and sit there. Well, no, I'm I'm going uninvited, unannounced. Colin doesn't. If it, I hope Colin doesn't hear this. I'm no. I'm just saying, like in April, at a random day, I'm going to Collins, and I'm just gonna knock on the door till he lets me in, and I'm That's gonna cool. I'm gonna yeah. demand to record an album and see how that sure goes. Be no. happy about that. Yeah, he's an easygoing guy. He'd probably he'd work it out somehow. But shout <laughs> to Colin Mars. We love him. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. But other than that, Rick, man, we appreciate everybody listening man happy new year to everybody be safe out there whatever you're doing man we hope that 2023 uh turns up for you man um i what can i say the world is going to hell in a handbasket and uh we're just trying to enjoy the ride as best we can here on heavy hole podcast uh my co-host is rick habib of greg uh, of of greg of of gray skies of gray skies fallen um there was a band called craig that tom andrew used to be in rick habib of gray skies fallen reeking aura and buckshot facelifts i think think if we blow the dust off of that name a little bit um and i have been big will aka uncle buck of the heavy hole podcast thanks to greg march of false gods shout to all the false gods check out all their material on Bandcamp and look for them coming to you live this year they're getting out there um heavyholepodcast.com heavyholepodcast at patreon i think that's it unless i forgot one I just had a shout out to jimmy white that's about it that's all i got okay yeah okay that's the last if we're gonna have if we're gonna have a last shout out uh of two thousand twenty two, it's gotta be the Jimmy White man. That's the one. That's right.